welcome to another episode of Family Reflections. Uh, my name is Caddy Emmanuel, and she is Kina. And we're in here with my mom, Maffred Emmanuel. Hello, everyone. Happy to be with you today. All right. Uh, we're in and we're, today we're thinking of kind of uh, revisiting some of the last topics that we just covered um, and kind of hearing some of my mom's perspective on some of these things. Um, Kina, do you have any thoughts uh, right before we hop in? No, we're good to go. Let's get right. started. <laughs> um, <laughs> so one of the first things we covered, especially in the very last episode, was um, sexual health, right? And something that kept coming up even throughout the course of the conversation was uh, why people are so afraid of getting tested people are so afraid of talking about sex people are so afraid of educating their children about sex <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's there's this taboo that is damaging in that way um what are your thoughts on that uh, mrs emmanuel <laughs> um i want to say we have come a long way because it was worse before um when i grew up um my mother never spoke to me about um, my period or sex or anything of that sort. In fact, I actually learned from my friends, not even my teachers wanted to talk about it back then. So um, I believe we've come a long way, but we still have much work to do. Um, When it comes to education, the teachers need to talk to the students about it. And parents now also need to be educated so that they can understand the value of passing on that kind of information to their children from the home to the classroom, from the classroom to the community. And even in the community now, you have the older folks who just don't want to talk about these things. If they hear a child talking about it, they will tell the child, oh, I've been from a child from, and they might not even want to have anything to do with that child because they'll tell the parents and other community folks, you know, so... In spite of it all, I think we've come a long way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you, you did just mention that you, you had to learn from your friends. I can only imagine what your friends were saying back then. What, what, what are some things that may have been, what are some inf- misinformation that your friends were probably saying? What are some things that they said? Well, um, especially when it came to um, the menstrual cycle when they had their period, they would feel comfortable to talk to their friends about it. But, um, you know, when it comes to sex, you know, I don't think it was an open conversation. Um, most times, you know, well, when I can only speak to my experience. Um, back then, it was very secretive. That's why I think most of the young ladies got pregnant because you did not have the information to begin with, you know? So if you had sex, you'd feel very comfortable going on with your life until you discover that you, got, you missed that period. And then you'd know that something is really wrong. You'd visit the doctor and the doctor will let you know that, okay, they have to go through your test. And you have to get tested for that pregnancy. And then if it's pre- positive, then you know you're pregnant. It was not an open conversation where people just spoke about these things, you know. We went about it, you know, in a very ignorant way, yeah. It was like a hush-hush kind of thing. So did a lot of your friends get pregnant at an early age? 
Not many. Of that. In fact, okay. um, when it actually happened, it was like, you know, you're a young woman in the community and everybody, oh, God, and sometimes that could not, I mean, in most cases, that was not really the case. It could have been back then because of the ignorance, in fact, of not, um, in fact, not really having the information that you really needed. Some people would tell you, oh, if you have sex the first time, you might not get pregnant. You understand? Say, la, una la, vi, wed, wed, by, you know, you are used to having sex, then you get pregnant. And that was not true. You can get, you could get pregnant, I mean, the very first time you had sex. That's what we know now. The information that we have, you know, is valid and we, we can work with it right now. But back then, there was just, just a hush-hush thing. It was just a hush-hush. And young ladies just went through life, you know, in their own way, exploring and um, at the same time paying for that exploration. Because imagine a young girl who had her life ahead of her, you know, wanted to pursue her education and getting, you know, pregnant, you know, during that period of time, you felt compelled, it's, you know, to stay home with your child because now you have a baby. And many young minds, many young ladies who just think, okay, that's the end of the world. They cannot pursue the careers. So, even when you had to get married, you know, some people tell you, you know, so it was like a real struggle for most young women when it comes to that kind of, you know, Thing. All right. So for mm -hmm. me, what I heard is a combination of a couple of things, right? On the last episode, we, we talked about uh, sh women being shamed um, mm -hmm. because they weren't pure. Um, and we talked about uh, basically what you just mentioned, where the lack of education exposes people to risky behavior because they just don't know any better. They don't know the consequences of those things. Kina, um, speaking from the perspective of someone from the younger generation, um, do you see any similarities between what she just mentioned in her experience and yours growing up? Well, when it comes to the exploration part, definitely it's the same. You find that a lot of the um, children who are more sheltered, I would see like my friends who are kept at home and don't get the opportunity to actually go out and have fun. They're the ones who actually end up pregnant faster than those of us who had the opportunities to actually be out there and experience life in a different manner. Um, but when it comes to the education, even with the education now and making young ladies and young men aware of the consequences of having sex, especially at an early age, there is still that high level of teenage pregnancy. And while your mom was speaking, I was hoping that there would be a change, that with um, the avenue of information, there would be that level of awareness to actually abstain or actually practice safer sex, as opposed to, you know, getting so many higher levels of teenage pregnancy. Hmm. So I, I got stuck on the first part of, of your response there as well. Um, we'll get to the second part in a minute, but you mentioned that in some cases, the people who are sheltered end up engaging in riskier behavior than those who are not. Why do you think yeah. that is? Because they, they do get a, the opportunity to, okay, it's like, 
you're you're kept at home and the moment you get an opportunity to be out there you tend to risk it all basically you tend to want to explore what would probably take a whole year in that one evening and that is where the problem lies they feel like i'm not going to get this chance again so i might as well take it and take the extra mile you know and do everything that i need to okay so i'm going to ask you to define sheltered a little bit more and, <laughs> and okay oh, um when i say sheltered i mean i mean that their their activities are very limited um the parents don't allow them to participate in different things um you don't find that they're the ones who are out there in the community playing cricket on the road or um you know just talking to friends and having that many friends or having friends over and that sort of thing there are people that i grew up with that were kept really restricted they were kept at home without you know the, the life that we had where we were able to go out and talk to our friends as we please and that sort of thing mind you before the street light came on you had to be back home but then these other children did not get that opportunity okay it's like school and home school and home and that was it all right okay i, I get it um mrs emmanuel <laughs> what do you have you have you ever observed what what kina just mentioned where um you have of or where you've seen someone who grew up in a sheltered environment um who i like to call it busing out but the person just yeah. bursts out yeah 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 i could yeah. identify with that and um i was thinking that it was the norm back then because most um young ladies and um, i would say young men it was like a hit and run because it's like 90% of um the kids back then were sheltered if we have to um use that word um because when it was 6 o'clock everybody they had to you know be back home mm -hmm. and um no matter where you went and then again it, um lighting was limited especially in the rural areas you know uh, it, the community was almost um in plain darkness when it was about i mean at sunset six o'clock most of us experienced gross darkness we didn't have electricity back then so when it was six o'clock your parents expected you to be home now as she said if you had that kind of mentality what you'd be thinking of is like as you said just you know hit and run you know so when you get the chances you know if you have a boyfriend is just hit and run <laughs> so me <laughs> so so it was like okay as she said majonatishas so i go all i i agree for it's like majonatishas but my profitetishas lebek for tout ça mon pou fen i'll see you next time you understand that was the life i guess for many people okay um, so yeah is the is the alternative to that to give the children as many chances as possible <laughs> I would think again, I, um, again, it is because they did not want to have the conversation with their children. Right. I guess back then, if parents could just sit with the, their children and educate them and teach them about sex, the advantages and disadvantages of having sex at an early age, the pros and the cons, I am quite sure many young people would not have ended the way they ended up now 
you know, with uh, six kids, you know, different fathers there and there and all that. Mm -hmm. If only their parents had just sat down with them and told them, well, sex is a beautiful thing. God was the one who designed it. Say, so God give no, you know, sex, but within the ranks of marriage. And, you know, and um, you must have a life. You must educate yourself. You must be able to take care of a family before you go about just having sex all over the place, you know? You have to take care of your body and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But you have to do it, yeah. Before they have sex, they tell you have fun, tattoo her. You know, it was, well, no, it wasn't right back then. It wasn't right. Kenny, did you get that talk? Uh, yes. Yeah, I gave him I the book. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my, my, what I remember is, I think my, my parents took a very creative way out, right? Mm -hmm. Where <laughs> That's good. When I hit the, the teenage years, I was handed a book. Um, and I was told, yeah, um, read this. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I read it and it had a lot of like good advice and stuff like that so i mean i, I think in in just with getting that book alone i was uh aided um uh, much more than people uh other people were especially in prior generations as we just previously discussed um what about you kina i did not get the talk but at school i was privileged to actually have teachers who would discuss it so we did have a little bit of information um being shared okay but how do you guys feel about that though how do you guys feel about teachers teaching your kids about sex i don't think well i i, I taught for 32 years and um i don't see anything wrong about it um, if I was given the opportunity to teach kids about sex, I think I would be quite open. And with you now, uh, growing up as a young man, I, I gave you the book, I remember, to read because you loved reading. And uh, that's what I always wanted you to do, to um, discover things for yourself, you know. It was sort of a kind of training where, um, you know, you are provided with hands-on and that you do not depend on others to provide you with information that you actually had the ability to read. So that's why I taught you to read at a tender age. And I kept on feeding you with those books. Now, that would be like a teacher's experience with uh, children as well. But um, I don't think there's anything wrong with teachers if they know how to do it. You don't just go on and teach kids anyway, you know, and just say anything. You have to handle it in a professional manner in a way that the children, first of all, will feel comfortable with the information that you're passing on. And not just the children, you also have to communicate with the parents so that they too can understand that you are, in fact, going to teach the kids, not on their behalf, but as a teacher. Because a teacher is supposed to be able to teach all you know, concepts and feel comfortable doing that. So I think it is something that is very important, and we could do that for the kids, teach them, and if you're comfortable, because some teachers don't mind them, they're already old, but they are still, you know, <laughs> old-fashioned thing. They are still scared of talking to kids about it. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what do you think about it, Kina? I agree. I agree with Mrs. Emmanuel that once the teacher is professional and knows how to deliver the concept, go ahead. 
Um, but even with when I was getting the information, it wasn't the case where it was done in that formal setting. Um, I had a lot of young teachers, vibrant teachers, and they would just engage us during lunch, during break, and basically be sort of have that friendship sort of um, relationship, basically. And they would share things. They would ask us questions. So I think that was good, especially when it, when parents did not fulfill that role. I felt comfortable having somebody to just talk to and discuss it with, and in addition to my own reading. Question for you. Were those teachers uh, women as well? or with Both these... sexes, but okay. mainly women. Yeah. Okay. Because I think thinking... all the times that we all the times that we had the men, the women were also present. It was just a general forum. Okay. Because right. um, I remember when I was uh, attending school, uh, still in primary school, which is elementary school for anybody watching from outside of the Caribbean um, or listening. Uh, there was a teacher who just loved the sex jokes. <laughs> He, he found sex jokes to be the funniest things. Uh, so he would come into class and he would just off the cuff just say something about some lady that was stretching or something and some man that came. It, was, it, was, it wasn't good. Huh? And primary <laughs> school? Yeah. This was in like yeah. before I left primary school. So maybe standard. Uh, I don't want to... Um, I don't want people to figure out who it is, so I won't say exactly what class grade I was in. But yeah, he was, uh, I think he was way out of line. And um, I think that, that is the kind of thing that a lot of parents are afraid about when they think about uh, sexual education. They're afraid of teachers kind of going the wrong way or going overboard. Mm -hmm. um, and I just want to tell them that, you know, uh, while those concerns are valid, I think the benefits of us having proper sexual education in our school system far outweighs the risk associated. And I think uh, if we do have uh, proper sexual health education, we can uh, really uh, hone in and minimize instances of people who uh, say the wrong things and go the, go the wrong way, especially if children are educated and they know what's right and what's wrong. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that guy just got away with it though. I hope he's not still teaching. So yeah, I would be scared of him. I would mean, <laughs> <laughs> be fearful for many reasons because yes. that's a that's a psychological thing. Because number one, I I think that was deliberate that he was actually um, mm -hmm. getting the children to feel comfortable with. Um, his um, presentations and um, since he was always doing it, the kids could just, you know, ignore it and or right. not take it for anything, like baits, you know, like baits. Right. Right. And um, that to me would be um, uncomfortable. Um, if I had known that, I would have um, addressed it because you don't just come to the classroom. I mean, that's not the, that, that's not the way. I don't think you should be doing that. You should have done that back then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think he's still cheap teaching anymore, though. So. Yeah. Oh, that's all he wanted to teach then. <laughs> that's a lot of what he was teaching. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. Man. That, that was a little 
Um, the other thing that we covered on the last episode was the fact that there are people, and every time I say this, I, I, I get sick to my stomach. There are people who have STDs. They know what STDs they have, and they intentional, intentionally spread the disease uh, through a sexual intercourse with people. And it's either done as revenge or it's done uh, selfishly. Um, but there are people that do this. And I wanted to know, Mrs. Emmanuel, what you thought about, um, what you thought about that particular circumstance of people who do this. Well, as you said, um, it's a terrible. Um, number one, I don't think uh, the individuals who do that respect themselves enough and respect others. And um, in fact, it's a wicked thing. Let's put it that way. Let me use the right word. I think it's been wicked and selfish. Um, if you know you have a problem, deal with the problem. Get, um, you know, get help. And um, I mean, if you have to sleep with a woman, you have to protect that woman. If you, if you love the woman, you have to protect her. But then again, it is the same kind of education that we have to ensure that we pass along to both male and female, young and old. Let them know that when it comes to sex, you must respect your body. You understand? And you must respect others. God didn't just give us sex to just explore and, and, and behave like animals. You understand? We are, wish we are better, you know, our level of education is higher than the animals. So we should know when and where and how when it comes to the sex um, education and, you know, practicing it. All right. Um, I, I think part of, part of this whole issue is that there are some STDs that are incurable. And so when some people contract uh, incurable STDs, their reaction very often is anger. And Kin, I remember on the last episode, you saying that there were some young men that you were talking to and they were saying, oh yeah, if I, if I catch it, I must spread it. I have to spread it, right? Can you tell us a little yeah. bit more about that? It's, it's the a deliberate For them, it's a deliberate thing. And it's like somebody did that to them Although I must add that those young men are um, promiscuous, they're with multiple women. So the mentality of thinking somebody did that to them, I'm like, okay, you brought it on yourself by being with so many women in the first place. But that's just the level of thinking. That's just the ignorant side of, of their mindset. Um, so once they get it, they just believe that they could continue behaving the same way they were behaving prior to having the STD. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate, but it happens quite often. And like Mrs. Emanuel said, it has to do with education. We have to educate both our young men and our young women. Um, the young women also have a responsibility that when you have a young man approach you and the prospect of having sexual intercourse is there to go get tested, ask him to get tested, you yourself get tested. And until you don't see that paper with that result, there is no need for you to be engaged in sexual intercourse with this person. 
So we also have to take responsibility when somebody decides to spread their illness to others. All right. And hearing that just makes me think of the corruption of sex itself. I feel like what sex is fundamentally has been corrupted in our society because in our advertisements and commercials and um, marketing campaigns and posters and flyers and all those things, sex has become a commodity. Sex has become something that sells. And we are straight away from sex being something that people do when they love each other and they want to express that love in a physical way. Because if, if you, as a man, see sex as something that you do in a loving way and not as something that you're doing as a conquest or something you're doing um, to, you know, to add another, another number to your list, um, there is no way that you would give, purposefully give a disease to somebody that you love. So when I hear people saying that they're intentionally spreading STDs, it's telling me that the way you view sex itself has been corrupted, right? And what do you guys think is a way that we could reverse that corruption? Um, you know, I have a strange mind and um, I am looking way beyond what you're discussing at this time based on that topic. It's not just, um, you know, men and women who are promiscuous. I, you could have a beautiful Christian young lady who used to live, you know, that kind of life before just sleeping with different men. And then one day happens to say to herself, okay, I will stop living that life. But she still has it. She's still infected, you know. And then she goes on to, you know, marry a young man, you know, and that young man can get infected. So it's not within the ranks of, I mean, being out there and exploring or that kind of exploration. But right there in churches, wherever you are, you can end up, you know, catching up with it as well. What everyone should do is to take a responsibility as um, Kina just said a while ago. You should feel responsible for yourself and for others. If you are Christian and you know you have been out there having sex with men, what you should do before you get married is go and get tested and your, um, you know, your husband or boyfriend should, or fiance should get tested as well. It's for everyone, all of us, as long as you have not been, you know, pure and holy. Okay. If you have been pure and holy, you don't have a problem. But the minute you have not been pure and holy, go and get, you know, tested. Which is majority of our population. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, what I'm hearing when you just, from what you just said, is that even beyond the people who intentionally spread STDs, there are people who are still also being selfish who unintentionally spread them because they refuse to get tested. Right. Right? Yes. And so, again, that, that brings us back to the same um, selfishness that I was referring to when we talk about people who intentionally spread it. And I think that selfishness comes from a misunderstanding and corruption of what sex is. And so, uh, going back to my previous question, how can we 
reverse the damage that has been done culturally to what people, to the way that people view sex? How can we cause people to see, how can we cause people to see sex correctly? Is what I'm trying to say. For you to be able to see sex correctly, there's a lot of work to be done because you're, you're telling me that you want to present sex as this um, pleasurable activity between two people that love each other. And you want to present this to our young men, our vibrant young women. Um, that's a lot of work. That's not, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, what, what could we possibly do? Young men and young women see sex as just, they don't need to be, they've met for one month, two weeks, and that's something that they want to engage in. They don't want to wait. They don't want to see if they're in love with the person. They just engage in it. They have raging hormones. So <laughs> I'm not even sure as to how, how to start, where to begin the whole process of re-educating and, and presenting it in an appealing way. I think you were trying to say something, right? Yeah. Um, well, you have to teach them how to keep the raging hormones in check. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and um, I think, again, it comes back to educating our youth in the right manner. Mm -hmm. If they, I, I remember you, you, first of all, you said and when you spoke about your teachers and the way they divulged the information, that there was a level of honesty and trust. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that's of extreme importance, so, you know. If um, you are trusted as an individual who cares about them, they will want to listen to you. So when you talk to them, they will listen. Because, I mean, there are so many examples out there. We have so many teenage girls who have three children to take care of, especially in these hard COVID times, who regret they ended up with those kids. Many of them keep saying to themselves, they wish they had educated themselves and they had waited, you know? And they had done other things. And that's exactly what it boils down to. Sex is not just something that you just explore anytime. You should, in fact. You can, but you should not. Because you are an individual. When you go and hide in a bedroom with a man and whatever, there's no one to see you and prevent you from doing what you're doing. It's a matter of taking or making the right choices all by yourself. I can talk to a young girl on the street and tell her, Darling, you are a pretty girl, you know. You know you should not be having sex with boys before you get pregnant and whatever. And she can say, yes, Miss Maffrin, what you say is true, eh? like they usually do. And um, next thing, she meets a young man, and first thing, the young man wants his sex. And she wants to keep him, so she gives it to him. Now, if you now sit and talk to that young lady, and you show her all the disadvantages, the pros and the cons of just having a baby at that age, number one, your social life, you know, has to come into play. You won't be able to get the time to go out there with your friends to have fun because now you have a baby to take care of. Financially, things are very expensive. Baby clothes, diapers, pampers, everything is expensive. You don't have a job. How do you take care? of that baby now you want to get married and uh, yeah you, you might fall in love with another man and the this other guy gives you another baby and leaves you there two babies 
three, you end up with four or five. Your life is gone by then. And now if you look at it through that angle or through that lens, then you will understand that there are many disadvantages. But then if you are married, as God has assigned us to, in that case, as Kedi said a while ago, in a loving relationship, you don't care, you know? And you have better sex because you don't have to eat and run, you know? Your husband belongs to you. The bedroom is undefiled. Your bed is undefiled. And it's his, I mean, you are his, he's yours. But that hit and run thing, you keep on running till you end up being a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> wait, um, yeah, Mrs. Mara said something that was so right when she um, brought back what I said about the teachers. And I'm thinking, I'm like, you know what? Those conversations with those teachers that were so down to earth and so honest, mm -hmm. it really helped. It helped me tremendously. Um, so having key persons in your life who are able to educate you and keep you focused on a particular path, keep you focused on that goal, because that's what it did for me. It allowed me to think, hey, I really want to successfully write my CXDs. I want to be this independent person, get a good job. I want to be out there before, you know, end up in this mess of babies and all of that. And that is, that is what stayed in my mind. So yes, I would talk to the boys and all of that, which wasn't many, but, you know, talk to them and, and you know, but not engage too seriously. At that time, it's your education. So I think the key thing is having those people there that you can count on to remind you of your purpose, to remind you of what is important in life at that time. And again, education. All right. Mm -hmm. And listeners, if you're hearing these dogs um, singing in the background, you know, what can we do, right? <laughs> There's not much you can do. But there's some dogs down the street that have fun uh, every now and again. But I just want to balance the narrative a little bit because I find that we're starting to school again in the direction of women needing to preserve themselves and to be smart and all those things. And growing up, I really believe that there should have been a balance because as a young man um, who is now old, <laughs> That's an inside joke. But <laughs> as a young man, uh, I wish that people were more careful to warn young men as well and tell them, okay, guys, let me tell you all something. There's women out there who are looking to use you for sex. It's not just men who are out here asking young ladies to sleep with them. And it's not just men who are, you know, the predators waiting to see who they can sleep with and stuff like that. And the girls have the full responsibility to preserve themselves and all of this stuff. But as a young man, too, you have to protect yourself. As a young man, too, you have to make good decisions. As a young man, too, you have worth, you have a responsibility to make sure that you don't let these women use you. Make sure that you don't let um, these women pressure you into sex, you know? Because very often women will use your manhood to bait you and tell you, oh, so you're not going to do it with me because you're not a real man. You're not this, you're not that. You understand? And so I'm going to encourage all the Caribbean men who are listening to this and if any, anybody else listening to this all around the world, uh, as a man, there's nothing wrong with being completely intentional and completely um, uh, 
well-rounded in your decision making when it comes to your sexuality um, you should not feel pressured to do anything you should not allow anybody to force you to do anything because there are women out there raping men straight up raping men and men are getting raped and not talking about it and um yeah so yeah i just had to get on my soapbox a little bit because whenever i see people only talking about the women and the little girls protecting themselves i have to talk for the men to it and, and stand in for the guys as well because i think it's mm -hmm. very serious that we do so yeah so everybody's quiet and um i i also <laughs> wanted to say since it's very quiet that sex is deep it's something profound that we should respect because anytime you you sleep with somebody you are actually giving a part of yourself to that individual mm -hmm. and that's what uh, many men and young women should understand because for example if you happen to sleep with jane mary agnes and paula and one day you decide to marry janet on the day of your honeymoon you'll be entering that hotel room with five different women you you gave janet a piece of you and that's why you see sometimes young girls even in school after school that one has a little boyfriend there and that one has a little boyfriend there just because she has already slept with paul she claims paul because she has given part of herself to paul and she feels like she's already married to him so when she hears that paul is seeing someone else she gets very uh, angry because she has shared her life and uh, an intimate part of her being uh, with him so that's deep that's deep that's deep and um, many men do not understand it but that's one of the reasons why you end up with malpet when you sleep with so many women you share your body an intimate part of your being with every woman then they all own you in a psychological emotional kind of way and they get really angry there is always that kind of bacchanal because you know women who have not slept with men don't fight over them that much you know it is simply because they have shared their life their bodies their intimate souls with that person that's why they feel that they own you to a certain extent and they will not leave you alone to tell you about you know by one real malfit so go ahead Kina. <laughs> okay so i was just about to see the script a little just a little so we're, we're we're saying that um i forgot the man's name tom or whoever already shared himself so much and then he meets this one person janet and now that he's so in love with janet um she doesn't want him mm. so we're going into a little bit of our next topic what what happens with men when they get so heavily rejected by a woman um and we're going to delve into just a little bit about suicide um so what growing up or back in in the 90s which you constantly talk about was suicide very prevalent um, among the men? Was there a lot of rejection back then? What was the purpose of, of men committing suicide, if at all, when you were growing up? Back then, I, you know, 
it was something that was rather rare in my community. And um, if somebody had heard of an individual committing suicide, it was like, you know, the talk of the town, everybody wondering why Sakiwi Bay. And most persons would say it's because of um, witchcraft or they would never believe it is because that person needed someone to talk to and share their issues or problems with. And um, the community failed that individual. They would not think that way. They would simply say, not understanding that it's a psychological issue that this person needed help to deal with. Um, and the, another thing is back then we had close-knit families where people could relate to each other and talk to each other about issues like that. For example, how they used to say it. Um, Mojuan um, Khan, yeah, whatever. And um, they would maybe talk to their friends even when they were playing their dominoes and whatever. So there, there would be one person, I think, that they could relate to that too and say, well, madam you know, and their friends will talk to them and say, well, and maybe that could encourage them. So I think there was that kind of platform, that kind of base where there was more communication than we do now and everyone just talks to their phone you know we we communicate with our phone more often i once i said to a friend you know very soon people will start asking each other how is your phone you know because <laughs> the phone <laughs> 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 because people are thinking, you know those gadgets so serious like it's like out of you it's like yeah. your you know so i say one of these days they'll ask the phone um you how is your phone doing yeah, but um, back in those days, there was more communication within the ranks of families and whatever. So, I it was rare. It wasn't that common. It wasn't that common. Very, very interesting there. And I, I just want to share a quick story. Um, and it's funny that I'm the one sharing the story because at the time that the story happened, I was a newborn baby. Um, but <laughs> there was a couple that lived very close to our house. And I can tell the story because I've heard it so many times. And um, the young man and the young lady had some problems. They had some kids, and they had problems. And uh, there was probably some infidelity involved as well. And the guy, and uh, you can correct me, but the guy, I believe, stabbed the girl all over. Oh, no, he bit her all over, then killed her strapped to her bed and then he hanged himself right mm -hmm. after that mm -hmm. yeah and and so i guess that shows even then in the early 90s we still had cases of men who did not have the support or the emotional health um uh mental health uh mental strength to handle rejection and that goes back to exactly what you were saying Kina, uh when it comes to uh handling rejection and fortunately unfortunately men men have to handle a lot more rejection than women do um just as a matter of course and the way our lives are set up and so if a man is not confident in himself, if you uh, uh, have 
insecurities that you have not dealt with and you do not know for, for sure who you are, uh, going through these rejections will break you. And you'll end up doing some stuff that you never thought you'd find yourself doing. And especially because you have an ego. Every man has an ego. Mm-hmm. And you have that little man inside of you that wants to be <laughs> validated. Mm-hmm. You want that validation. You want uh, that respect. Um, and when you get rejected, especially in a haphazard and disrespectful way, there's the, that little guy that's like, nah, nah, nah. We, gotta, we, got, we have to do something about this. We have to... Uh, we, this can't just happen, <laughs> you know? And so I, I think fathers, specifically fathers, need to um, somehow teach their sons to handle rejection. I don't know exactly how that's done, but I think um, who feels it knows it. And I think fathers are particularly well-suited in position to step in and teach their sons how to handle rejection. Uh, your daughters as well, but more specifically your sons. Um, in that case, Kelly, it was not just merely um, rejection. Um, I spoke to that individual. In fact, I actually had him in my house, and um, I did put him to sleep, and I spoke to him, and um, I asked him to return to his community if he couldn't live with the girl. But what happened that they went beyond that rejection um, the young lady actually left him, you know, babysitting her kids, children she had with other men. And he had those children with him and he was caring for them. He was taking care of them while she was out there having fun with another man. So when he heard of it, when he got privy to that kind of information, it was not just the rejection that he felt, but I think he also felt disrespected. Can you imagine a man, you being a man, you have a girlfriend and the girlfriend asks you to babysit, I mean, two of her kids, which she had with previous men, uh, other men, and uh, you are there doing your best, taking care of the kids, playing with them, having fun, and then someone comes to you and tells you, hey, hey, why so like I want to my sandals, we are lot misty, how would you feel? So that went beyond um, what we're discussing right now. I think it was not just the rejection, but that's why I think he had that kind of rage, that anger. And he actually, yes, he went beyond, went not just killing her, but he abused her. He did everything that he could do to like speak that angry, um, extend that anger and, and allow her to feel that anger before she passed. He did everything that was gross and wicked and evil and cruel to her so that she could feel what he felt. So that was terrible. That was terrible. And that's definitely a very extreme case there. Um, Mm -hmm. Kina, were you about to say something? That case ties in both the topics so nicely. Um, It's an unfortunate situation, but just seeing it's not just rejection, and I mean, rejection we've identified can lead to suicide. But then it's also, I mean, we're focused on men and men giving women STIs and all of that. But look at how easily this woman could have brought home an STI. And who knows, the poor man might be, she might be blaming the poor man and say, you give it to me or whatever. But it just shows that no matter the situation, 
um, both men and women have that level of responsibility to themselves and to others, and anything is possible. All right. And, you know, I, I, I'm kind of using my imagination a little bit, but if I think about how this man must have found out about the lady uh, being with some other guy, I want to point out the importance of how you deliver uh, information to people. Because I can only imagine that whatever friend he had, when that friend heard about this, he came up to him and said, that's also your match. Ridiculed. Yeah, that's a, you know, and like they really ridiculed him. And he felt not only disrespect from his girlfriend in that moment, but also disrespect from his friends, right? And so he's, he's, he's getting disrespected on every side. And, you know, studies show, and as a man, I can confirm this, uh, we value respect even beyond love, right? Before you, you love me, you better respect me, you know, because that, that's how we're built. Men need respect because that's, that's who we are. That's how we're built. And um, he, uh, he lost it. And th that in no way justifies what he did. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, he did that. I want and, to... Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm listening to you and um, the word just popped up, self-control. If we have um, a, a high level of self-control, you can avoid all those um, problems. Because whilst it is true that she was um, guilty or, um, well, I'm just saying that now, I don't know whether it was proven, but um, whilst it might have been, um, what he could have done is just go back you know, you have a, a, a home to go to. You just walk away. And um, I'm saying this to say that when men get disrespected or when they feel that way or when they feel that things have gone wrong and are getting out of control, the best thing that you should do is to control yourself first and then, you know, move, move away from that zone from that platform where you could do something that you will regret afterwards. We have had too many cases where young women have been shot, they have gotten shot and whatever. Uh, my mother always says that, you know, if the person does something, that's not your baby there. And even your baby, you should respect and whatever. The person has done something wrong, that means you are not deserving of that person. Get to be the better person and move on with your life. There are so many women. Don't kill women because they disrespected you or because they did something to you. You um, always say to yourself, and I always say that to my son, always treat a woman the way you would want that man. Sorry. Treat a woman the way you would want another man to treat your mother or your sister. If you are in a relationship, I've said that to you, Keddy, time after time, and I'm going to share it with other men since I've gotten that opportunity. Treat a woman the way you want, you know, a man, another man, to treat your sister or your mother. You would not want to walk into your house and see a, a, a man treating your mother that way, kicking your mother, punching your mother, 
shooting your mother, stabbing your mother. You'd get enraged and really angry. You understand? You'd not want to experience that at all. So that woman has a sister. That woman has a mother. If you cannot deal with the, the issue, leave. Run for your life. Yeah, and I, I want to point out that that goes both ways as well, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah young young mm -hmm. ladies as well yeah. should also uh, treat their their, the men. their men mm -hmm. in the same way that they would want their father to be treated. Very often, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. we forget to uh, mention yeah, that both mention. Ways. men deserve <laughs> both a, little, a little love too, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that you, mm -hmm. you mentioned that. And um, that's one of the yeah. valuable lessons that I was taught growing up that I think so has served me well in my life so far. Um, there, there's something that's going on in the world, and I'm a little curious about it. And I wonder if you guys have any thoughts, right? Worldwide, the population rate and the way the population has been growing has slowed, right? And it's almost a crisis, you know, in the US, in Japan, in um, not really in Africa, uh, but uh, <laughs> Asia. Uh, there's a lot of countries around the world where, especially the Caribbean as well. I don't know if you guys have noticed that in our primary schools, the numbers have gone down significantly, right? So what, what is the reason you guys think for the slowdown in the growth in our population? Okay. Um, yeah, so recently, like I said, there have been a drop in, in those. And I think that's because women are getting smarter, more career-oriented. Um, but even recently, even with this COVID-19, uh, places like Australia have stated that they're facing a newborn deficit, right? So the expected um, birth rates have tremendously gone down to what was forecasted. And there are many incentives being given um, for people to have babies. Because as you know, with with Australia, with the larger population, then the economy builds better. That's what they've relied on for years, since the 1990s. But again, it goes back to, I think women just being more career-oriented now um, and seeing how expensive it is to have babies, like mom said initially. And again, um, contraceptives are now more accessible. So that plays a part too. All right. All right. And may you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, and some of them are learning as well from the experiences, you know. Um, they understand the fact that um, when they want to pursue their careers, they are the ones who are lost when they have kids. And the men can always move on, you know, so who's winning? You know, you're on the losing side when it happens that way. I mean, out of wedlock. I mean, if you're in a, a marital relationship, your husband goes out there and most times he returns home but then when you're you're in a relationship and you you i mean you have a kid and the man moves away he travels or whatever you are left behind with a child or two and he moves on and most cases um 
in our lives as Caribbean people, we have our men traveling to countries like, uh, I mean, the United States, the UK. When they arrive there, it's like all is lost um, because some of them never turn back and they make excuses and they tell you, well, they're sorry because um, they don't have papers. So they have to get married to a woman there. And um, some of them never return. So I think women are also learning from those experiences. And um, they're trying to be more careful, more cautious, you know. So, I mean, we're not deck deck like before. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Empowered with knowledge. Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> true, true. Mm -hmm. uh, well, folks, uh, Kina, unless you have anything else, uh, this has been another episode of Family Reflections. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And you'll see us again in two weeks, uh, Monday after next. All right. See you then. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. <laughs>